Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Troy Walls. Today's Bible study is about knowing God's will. Knowing God's will. A recent survey revealed that in an average Bible-believing independent Baptist church, maybe 40% of the members know God's will for them. 48% want to know God's will, and the remaining 12% are unconcerned. The 12% either just do not know, do not care, or have not really given any thought to the matter. Very few people can actually say today that they know the will of God for them personally. Romans chapter 12 discusses the will of God and how to know. So hopefully, this lesson will enlighten us a little bit as to what we need to know to understand this better. I'll be in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is, is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth let him do it, with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now verses 1 and 2 give the formula for knowing God's will. There are other things involved in a full knowledge of God's will. For example, circumstances have a part in the will of God. Circumstances involve God working things out in a situ given situation to guide his servant, which would be you. Yes, since we have become saved, we are now a servant of Jesus Christ. Why are we a servant of Jesus Christ? Because if we want blessings in our life and also in our eternal home, heaven, we are to serve him and obey him in all things. Other Christians, wiser than ourselves, often can often help us in ascertaining the will of God. God can use many different ways to reveal his will to an individual. Consequently, when we speak of a certain formula, there may also be many other factors involved. But be that as it may, the principles found in Romans chapter 12 must be operating in one's life if he or she is to really know God's will for them. Consider this basic formula for knowing God's will. Paul says, I beseech you in verse 1. 
Now beseech means to beg or plead with someone. The apostle is begging us to do something. That something must certainly be worthy of our attention for him to beg us. We need to pay attention and see what it is. Look at verse 1 again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Paul calls our attention to something that should motivate us to want the will of God in our lives. When we really consider what God has done for us, in other words, the mercies of God toward us, and how he has been and is so good to us, that should motivate us to want to serve him with all our hearts and to know what his will is for us. Paul says to present your bodies a living sacrifice. That is exactly what the three Hebrews done in Daniel 3.28 when Nebuchadnezzar made that golden statue. They were told when they heard the music, they were to bow down and worship the idol, but they refused to do so. When they were called to account for the refusal to obey the command, the Bible uh, uh, says that they yielded, had yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Having their hearts already settled in the matter, the Hebrews responded to, to the king in Daniel 3.16. They said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful in thee in this manner. In other words, they told the king they were not to bow down no matter what he did to them. They said in Daniel three sixteen through 17, they said, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image, which thou hast set up. They said God was able to deliver them, but if he chose not to, they would they would still uh, serve him. In other words, they yielded their bodies that they would not bow down to any god except their own. And that is what Paul is beseeching Christians to do. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. That is, we are to take ourselves totally and give ourselves to God. Just say, here I am, Lord. Whatever you want me to do with me, that's all right with me. However, however you want to use me, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, that's fine with me. Look at Romans 6.13. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. The Bible says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That is a command. That is what Paul is begging us to do in chapter 12. He pleads in chapter 12 what he commanded in chapter 6. Our members are the parts of our bodies. We are to yield or present them unto God as instruments of righteousness. God wants us to verbally and consciously commit ourselves to him. He wants us to yield our members to God through prayer. God, I give you my eyes that they might look for you and see the needs of people, that you might minister through me to those people. God, I yield to you my hands 
that they might be used for your glory to minister unto people. Lord, I give you my feet that they might be used for your glory to take me where you want me to be. The little member that yields that needs yielding the most is the tongue. It causes more trouble than any other member. I want to read you a verse out of James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. The Bible says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. The Bible says that in the tongue is the power of life and death in Proverbs 18.21. If every Christian would completely yield his tongue to God, everything he had would be God's. James, the book of James says in 126, chapter 1, verse 26, If a man does not bridle his tongue, his religion is vain. If one can control his tongue, he has control of the whole body in James 3.2. Eli in the Old Testament is an illustration of this perfect yielding to God. You know, Eli was uh, not the best high priest Israel ever had, nor was he the best father in Israel. He had a lot of problems, mainly in his own family. He was not good in the discipline and training of his sons, and because of that, the curse of God came on Eli's family through Samuel, God told Eli that he would he was going to destroy both of his sons on the same day and cut off the lineage of Eli forever out of Israel. Now, there was a man to whom God said, I'm going to cut your family off. You'll have no descendants in Israel at all because of your disobedience in raising your sons in a godly manner. <coughs> when Eli received that negative message from God, he said in 1 Samuel 3.18, It is the Lord, let him doeth what seemeth him good. That is total submission to the will of God. Had he submitted to God like that 25 years earlier, God would not have had to curse his family. Had he yielded himself as a father to God, to be used of God the way God wants a father to be, then he would not have had serious problems with his sons later. God would not have had to destroy his family. Finally, he came to a point in his life where he totally submitted to God, but it was too late to salvage his family. Is that not the way it is for a lot of Christians? They wait until their children are grown, gone astray, and on their way to hell before they finally wake up and get right with God. We should get right years and years before that happens. Someone asked, once asked a Christian educator, what do you, when do you start educating a child? His answer was, 20 years before he's born, by educating his parents. We must start as early as possible. So we need to yield ourselves to God at whatever point in our life we are right uh, now. If one is saved, it matters not if he is only 10 years old, he needs to yield himself to God. If he is 90 years old and saved, he needs to yield himself to God. God wants total submission just like Eli expressed. 
Isaiah gives another picture of total submission to God. God said, Whom shall I send? Isaiah looked around and said, Lord, I'm here. Why don't you send me? That is total submission. God is asking that same question to all of us. Whom can I, whom can I send to the mission field? Whom can I send to your next door uh, neighbor to tell them about Jesus? You know, sometimes we do respond as Isaiah did. Lord, here am I. Send me. And sometimes we say, Lord, get somebody else to go to my neighbor. Whom can I send to witness to your uh, fellow employee on your, or your schoolmate? We should reply, we should quickly reply, Lord, you don't have to look any further. Here I am, ready to do your will. May we as Isaiah totally submit to the will of God. God wants our whole being to be sanctified, our whole person to be dedicated to his service. Present your bodies, your whole bodies, a living sacrifice. The first step one must take in order to know for sure what the will of God is for him is to dedicate himself totally to the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. The Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This concerns more than just dying and going to heaven and waiting on the second advent of the Lord. He is saying that he wants us Christians to be in such a state when the Lord comes back that at that moment we are blameless. We will not be in sin nor even having wicked thoughts. We will be doing what God wants us to be doing right at that moment. If one is planting an apple tree when Jesus comes back, and that is what God wants him doing, he is just as much in the will of God as a person standing on the street corner preaching. He is yielded to God and doing what God wants him doing. God wants us to live our lives and do the things necessary for living. He wants men to make a living for their families. He wants ladies to be homemakers. It is his will for us to do all the things necessary to living. For one to be doing what he is supposed to be doing at the moment Jesus comes back does not necessarily mean that he will be witnessing right then. Paul says that whatever we are doing, we should be blameless in body, soul, and spirit when the Lord returns. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 24. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 24. The Bible says, Faithful is he that called you, who also will do it. What will God do? He will preserve us blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In order for him to do that, there are some things contingent on us. We have to yield ourselves to him. We are not blameless before God unless we are yielded to the Lord. But if we are yielded to him, then he preserves us blameless, that is, in a state of righteousness. God wants the whole person to be sanctified. When does he want that? When does he want us to yield ourselves totally to him? When? I'll read you a verse out of Exodus chapter 32, verse 29. Exodus chapter 32, verse 29. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. 
even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. God wants us to dedicate today so he can bless us this day. God is not worried about tomorrow's blessing, as we often are. That is why he tells us in Matthew chapter 6 to concern ourselves with today and do not worry about tomorrow. I want to read you something out of Matthew chapter 6 verse 34. Matthew chapter 6 verse 34. Jesus said, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, forget what may happen tomorrow or next month or what happened last week. We must concern ourselves with today. We are living today, not yesterday, not tomorrow. We must dedicate ourselves to God today, that he may bestow upon us, bestow upon us a blessing today. The reason we go through many days without blessings from God is because on those days we have not dedicated ourselves unto the Lord. Another passage shows when God wants us dedicated unto him in first uh first chronicle chapter twenty nine verse five. First Chronicles chapter twenty nine verse five. The Bible says the gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? The materials mentioned were being dedicated for the building of the temple. After consecrating the gold and silver, David inquired as to who of the people would be consecrating his service this day unto the Lord. God cannot bestow a blessing on us this day until we are willing to consecrate ourselves this day unto him. God wants us to consecrate our whole being to him today. We might respond, well, I did it yesterday. Is that good enough for today? It is not. That is why we should get up every morning dedicating ourselves for that day unto the Lord. Psalm 118, chapter 118, verse 24. Psalm chapter 118, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lamentation Chapter 3, verse 22. Lamentations 3:22 says, It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. And our dedication to him should be new every morning. And it will be if our faithfulness to him is great. Only when we are yielded to him daily, will we be able to rejoice and be glad in each day. Now, I have something I'd like to mention here before I close. I want to ask you a question. Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? Now, if you're uh, 35%, 55%, 75%, or even 99% sure you're not going to make it, you have to know 100% for sure that you're going to heaven. Uh, I've had people ask me in a soul in booth, say, I don't think anybody knows for sure that they're going. Did you know God wants you to know 
He said in First John chapter 5, verse 13, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. It's not a think so, might so salvation. It's a know so. We have to know 100% for sure that we're going to heaven. And the first thing we have to do in order to do that is recognize that we're a sinner. We have to recognize that we're a sinner. Then we have to repent of that sin or, in other words, give it up. You know, you can repent a thousand times. It won't do a bit of good until you give that sin up. You give the sin up and then believe in the finished work of the cross. Believe that Jesus, uh, you know, died for our sins and three days later rose from the dead and is at the right hand of the Father today, standing on our behalf. That's how you gain eternal life. Belief. Belief in, in, the, uh, in the resurrection, in the cross, in the work of the cross. And you can have eternal life. You don't have to do anything to get to heaven. You don't have to work your way there. You don't have to do anything. You know, everybody in the world is trying to do something to get to heaven. Look, it's already been done. Christ died on the cross for our sins. All we have to do is accept that free gift and believe the work that was done on the cross. You know, repent of your sin and believe in the work that was done on the cross and you can have eternal life. Simple as that. I hope you enjoyed this study and we look forward to many more. Uh, God bless. <laughs>